You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. The negotiations now are underway to finish up the appropriation bill so there's no government shutdown. Vaccine mandates are much easier to do at the state level than at the federal level. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. We've seen some damage to the credibility on how poorly the U.S. did predicting that Taliban takeover. The country has moved from a weariness with COVID to a resignation and that somehow we're going to get through it. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Thank you for joining us. One year later, as commemorations of the attack on the U.S. Capitol expose the great divide on this first anniversary and the many challenges facing our political system. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics, where today we consider the lessons learned one year ago and whether it could all happen again. In conversations with lawmakers who were there last January, Senator Tina Smith, Democrat from Minnesota, Congressman Adam Kinzinger, Republican from Illinois, member of the Select Committee investigating January 6th, and Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland, all will share their stories over the course of the hour and will share thoughts and insights as well with the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis with us on a special hour here on Bloomberg Radio. We've watched a day-long commemoration, as I mentioned, on Capitol Hill, marking this first anniversary, which began with the president's visit this morning. Up early on Capitol Hill, he addressed the nation from Statuary Hall inside the Capitol, a black circular stage set up on the marble, the president recalling what we saw a year ago. Here he is. We saw with our own eyes rioters menace these halls, threatening the life of the Speaker of the House, literally erecting gallows to hang the vice president of the United States of America. What did we not see? We didn't see a former president who had just rallied the mob to attack, sitting in the private dining room off the Oval Office in the White House, watching it all on television and doing nothing for hours. President Biden would refer to the former president over a dozen times without ever saying the name Donald Trump. We'll go through more of the speech with the panel over the course of the hour. Right now, we speak with Senator Tina Smith, Democrat from Minnesota, who was inside the Capitol during the siege. Senator, welcome back to Bloomberg. Well, thank you so much, Joe. I'm glad to be with you, especially today. Of all days, yeah, you were, of course, on the Senate floor. You were in the chamber when rioters breached the Capitol one year ago. You saw Secret Service whisk Vice President Mike Pence out of the chamber right before your eyes. Before you knew it, you were being brought to a a secret location to hide out. 
Senator, has anything changed in this last year that would keep this from happening again? Well, you know, first, as I think back on a year ago, I'm struck by how surreal it still feels. Um, You know, my husband had been here in Washington to uh, be with me when I was sworn into office on January 3rd. And as he left uh, the day before on January 5th, he said, now, Tina, are you going to be okay?" And I said, I'm going to be fine. The United States Capitol must be the safest place in the country, one of the safest places in the country. You know, little could I have imagined And so today I still struggle to imagine that this really happened. I think that some things have changed. Um, I am always an optimist. Um, I I think that, for example, the tragedy of the ways in which Capitol Police and law enforcement generally were left unprepared in the onslaught of this violent attack, um, as we've understood that better, I think that the people that are there to protect everybody who works in the Capitol are better prepared, yeah. um, though there, is, there are long-lasting wounds. And of course, as you know, January 6th was one of the most deadly days for law enforcement since 9-11. But I think that a lot has not yet changed. And it is um, so tragic, I think, to see so many people in the Republican Party particularly try to downplay the events of January 6th to say that um, it wasn't important um, or that it was a fluke, Mm -hmm. when actually I think it is part of a much broader movement in our country around using violence as a political tool that we need to be aware of and then address. And that's why what's happening with with the January 6th commission is so important. And of course, this is also why the work we're doing on voting rights is so important. There has been a statement of equivalency from some Republicans between the riot that took place at the Capitol a year ago and the Black Lives Matter protests, some of the, the unrelated looting and violence that also happened in a summer that defined cities like Minneapolis. Senator, you were in Minneapolis for those protests. You were also in the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. What is your reaction to that? Well, I see this as part of a coordinated strategy to confuse and to uh, uh, distract from what happened on January 6th. What happened on January 6th was very clear. Um, There was a violent attack on the Capitol that was led by insurrectionists whose explicit goal was to overturn the free and fair elections of President Biden. And they were exhorted to go to the Capitol by then-President Trump. Mm -hmm. That is a direct attack on our democracy. We've never seen anything like it before. And I think that to try to conflate it with the tragedy of what happened in my home um, city of of Minneapolis is uh, nothing but an effort to distract from the attack on our democracy that took place on January 6th. And and we can't be distracted from it because— it, if we don't pay attention to it, um, it will happen again. Well, I do wonder about the hardening uh, of the Capitol security improvements that were called for following that attack. It, you know, if, if a mob uh, came down on the Capitol again today, one year later, I just wonder how differently this would go, Senator. And that includes what you would do in your own office if you have new protocols to protect yourself and your staff. Well, I think that we would be better prepared, but certainly our office has taken additional precautions to make sure that our staff members are safe. I think, of course, every day about the journalists and floor staff and the Senate and the custodians and the cafeteria workers, as well as Capitol Police that work every day at the United States Capitol and who are under such grave threat on January 6th. Um, 
I think that the Rules Committee, led by my colleagues, Senator Klobuchar and Senator Blunt, have done really good work to understand better how we can make the Capitol a safe place for the people that work there. And that's important. But the um, underlying challenge of people in our country who believe the big lie that has been told by the former president and his allies that this election was stolen, 58 percent or something of Republicans believe this lie, even though it is just you know, proven false, um, gives you a sense of the, the challenges that we have in this country. When Mitch McConnell voted to acquit Donald Trump in the second impeachment trial, he said, this is why we have a criminal justice system. I wonder if you think that the, the House or Congress should refer Donald Trump himself to the Department of Justice to face criminal charges. Well, this is why the this January 6th commission and the work of the Justice Department is so important. Yesterday, Attorney General Garland said that um, we talked about the importance of holding people accountable for the events of January 6th, including those at the top. It's not only those that Uh, fomented violence in the Capitol, but those that exhorted them, those that were staging what appears to be um, a blatant coup attempt. So I think that is extremely important. I await with, um, I think it's extremely important that this commission finishes its work. And I want to just say, even though I disagree on so many issues with Representative Cheney, I think she is a model for how people, regardless of their party affiliation, should be able to come together to appreciate the seriousness of this attack. And it gives me some optimism that there is a way that Um, that we can emerge from this. You know, our democracy works because we have at least two parties Mm -hmm. who abide by the rule of law and understand both how to win and how to lose. And I think that Representative Cheney is modeling that that, uh, value. Senator Smith, would you support reforming the Electoral Count Act? This is something that's been uh, in the air, we'll say, for a couple of days now. I'm, we're hearing references to the, the group of eight already uh, to essentially clarify the role the vice president plays in certifying election results. Is that something that you would favor? Well, reforming the Electoral College Act, I think, makes a lot of sense. But I would warn people not to get, again, distracted by that. As we push hard on the Democratic side to passed the Freedom to Vote Act, which would provide a basic common sense level of you know, standard setting for elections around the country. It doesn't take election uh, administration away from local uh, leaders. It just yeah. says, here's a basic standard. I think that there's no accident that this sudden move to reform the Electoral College is being put out there as a way you know, to basically try to distract from the real work that we have to do, which is to make sure that everybody has elections that we can trust. Senator, you've spoken of the PTSD that you experienced after the mob attacked the Capitol a year ago. You and I are talking about this uh, casually, uh, which I couldn't have imagined on January 6th (laughs) of of last year. How does it feel today after a year has gone by? I feel um, some sense of distance from it. But but I, you know, today is a day where it is not, I think it's good to sort of go back into it and to really appreciate what happened. And the truth is that on January 6th, because I'm a United States senator, um, I was in a safe place. I have come to appreciate how close we came in the Capitol to um, a much worse outcome when you think about how close to the Senate floor Mm-hmm. those violent rioters were. At the end of the day, um, I again, I think about everybody who works in the Capitol and the, the trauma that they experienced that day, and I hope that everyone is taking good care of themselves. 
I know it was an undisclosed location, uh, as it's referred to in the Capitol, where you were brought that day. I just wonder, wherever that was, if you've gone back to that room since then. Um, I have been back to that room um, a variety of times for a variety of reasons. And um, every once in a while, I'll be walking through and I'll go, oh, wait a minute. This is where we sat for hours and hours and hours. I recall yeah. uh, them bringing the big televisions in so that we could actually see what was happening. It does feel like a different world, however. Senator Tina Smith, Democrat from Minnesota, I want to thank you for your time today. Thanks for being with us on Bloomberg Radio. Thanks so much, Joe. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. We turn now to a central figure in the House investigation into the events of January 6th. Congressman Adam Kinzinger, Republican from Illinois. Of course, one of only two Republicans on the House Select Committee, for which he has been deeply criticized by many members of his own party. We should also note he is a lieutenant colonel in the Air National Guard. Congressman, thank you for joining us on what I'm sure is an incredibly busy day for you. What did you think of the president's yeah, no speech today? Thanks. It was stronger, a stronger tone than we've heard from this president, and it pointed squarely at the former president. Was that the right move? You know, I, look, yes, I think it should be very rare. To do something like that, you know, the former president quite often did that, you know, always pointing and poking at prior presidents. It should be rare, but this yeah. is a ongoing crisis. And I think, you know, the president, uh, for all the things I may agree or disagree with him on, he's taken the right approach of, of, of still focusing on governance. Uh, but I think that speech today was necessary. I think the outrage was necessary. I don't necessarily think it's going to convince anybody that's not already convinced, but I think it's important to put a basic standard for democracy down. And I think you showed the proper amount of rage in doing that. You wrote an op-ed in USA Today uh, in which you say we are in the fight of our lives. You start the column, the top line, writing America is more divided today than it was on January 6, 2021. Why is that? You know, I, I put it to a number. There's a number of people I can fault. There's I think everybody in their own mind bears some blame, particularly if you deny truth. 
Um, I think leaders had an opportunity after January 6th to stand together and actually do what the title says, to lead and say, look, this election wasn't stolen. Look, as Republicans, we lost. Let's focus on figuring out how to convince more people to vote for us. And uh, instead, some buried their heads, some went quiet, some continued to press conspiracy and lies. And in that process, if you're somebody that believes the truth, you're going to be angry at the people pushing the conspiracies, and the conspiracies daily get more more down, dour, negative, divisive, and we're in a bad place. And I got to tell you, a year ago, prior to January 6th, I always said, if asked the question, I am I am very long and optimistic on America. I still am, but in the short and medium term, I think it could get worse. Well, that, okay, so there you go. I was going to ask you if we are more divided today than a year ago, would that also not suggest it, it could or, or will happen again? Has anything changed that would prevent another January 6th? So, no, nothing's changed. You know, I guess to the extent that, you know, the insurrectionists learn what they did incorrectly and how they could correct that in 2024, for instance. You know, we have also learned what the the weaknesses in are in the system that we could strengthen and change. I think there's a bit of light, which is, yeah, the Republican Party will always be a major party. Um, you know, 60 percent, sadly, or 70 percent believe the election was stolen. But 70 yeah. percent of Americans believe the election was legit. And I think that's a very important number. Is the but capital itself can... more secure, though, if, if, if there was another attack specifically on the complex? Yeah, I, I think so. There's work to do. I do think it's more secure. I mean, you know, even just clarifying things like rules of engagement. And I think part of the problem with defending the Capitol was this kind of lack of imagination. It's the opening line of even the 9-11 report, which is never expected that this was going to happen. Uh, now we can't expect. Now we can think about it that way. But we shouldn't have to be. I mean, we will be, but we shouldn't have to be in a position where we're increasing a security posture of the building that represents American freedom. Would you support reforming the Electoral Count Act, as we were discussing with Senator Smith? Yeah, 100 percent. I think I think that's, you know, uh, where a lot of energy should be focused on reforming the Electoral Count Act, trying to find a compromise on the Voting Rights Act, which is about preclearance, not wouldn't have had anything to do with January 6th. Mm -hmm. But these are areas that I think we can find bipartisan grounds and agreement We've got to get out of though our, our patterns that Republicans had for so long, and I fear Democrats have, which is, you know, how do we get to enough votes in our party yeah. to pass something? Democracy is at stake. It is at stake. And we have to have alliances of people that strongly disagree on everything but that fact. Congressman Kinzinger, you write about sitting in your office that day a year ago wondering if the threats on Twitter would come to fruition, you said, whether the insurrectionists would find you and take you out. Do you still fear for your life? You know, I, I, there's days where you, you, you're concerned. Uh, I don't really fear for it. I mean, sadly, I, I usually armed wherever I go now. Um, you know, but it is a, it was a sad day a year ago to be sitting in my office. I usually am not armed on the Capitol. I was that day because I, I figured violence was coming and, uh, to be sitting there wondering if I would have to defend myself in my office. That's a sad thing. So no, I don't, I don't, I don't have fear. Um, but I think if we continue down this path, you know, political violence will not be a rare thing. It will be a common thing because nothing is standing in the way to stop that at this moment. If people yeah. believe that their voice has been taken, which the former president tries to convince them, it will turn violent. So you started carrying a firearm more often after the events of a year ago. Yeah. 
yeah, it's not something I, you know, love doing, but, uh, yeah, I, I do because, you know, the only other alternative is to have a security detail, which I'd prefer not to. Um, it is, it is the moment we live in and, you know, I'm leaving Congress in a year and I won't yeah. miss that part. You address the extremes in both parties in your op-ed, noting 80% of congressional districts are safe for one party. Is that the real conversation we need to be having here? I know social media brings the echo chamber and that a lot of things have changed uh, in the media landscape that have have made the partisanship uh, more of a threat. But is the root of our division here in Washington or or in America coming down to to mapping congressional districts? You know a lot about that in your zone. I think, yeah, no kidding. Um, I think it's a huge part of it because, you know, if you think about it, when, when basically 10% of the electorate is picking congressional representatives, if, if a district is significantly Republican and only 20% are showing up to vote in a Republican primary or 10% in a, in a primary, mm-hmm. there is, you know, when you have to get elected by those that are voting, there's no doubt and no question that you are going to comport to the most extremist views because they're the ones most motivated to vote. I think getting people to show up and vote in primaries is what I'm trying to do with my country first movement, country1st.com. But also we have to reform the primary system so that we can start getting people, you know, to go and attract the center again. I ask you uh, as well about reforming uh, fundraising. If you're calling on Americans to take on the most toxic partisans in Congress, as you say, uh, research by the watchdog group Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington Crew uh, finds that since the insurrection, more than 700 corporations and industry groups have donated over 18 million dollars to help reelect members of Congress who voted against certifying the election results. And as I'm sure you know, a lot of those companies, uh, Ford is one, Valero is another, promised to cut off donations to these members after the attack. It didn't last very long. Congressman, should they be called out for it? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to make that commitment, uh, you need to show what's changed, what's changed in your thinking, what's changed in your, I mean, PACs are not made up of corporate dollars. They're made up of people that work for that corporation donating personal money. And we know how that goes. And I think they should be accountable to that. And, you know, they made a very strong statement. And then all of a sudden this idea of taxes or whatever, which I have my opinion on taxes and policies of the day. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, that ended up overriding the initial concern for democracy. This is why I say we've got to have, even though uneasy, an alliance between people that don't see anything in common, uh, except that we have to defend democracy. And I think that needs to be held up to corporate donors or, or corporate PACs as well. Talking with Congressman Adam Kinzinger on this January 6th, 2022. Uh, before you leave us, I, I'd like to ask you quickly, about the way forward here with the select committee. Will you get your work done uh, in, in a fashion that does not interfere with the midterms? And, and would you like to see Donald Trump referred for criminal charges? Well, I don't want to say whether I'd like to or not. We will refer him, I believe, uh, send the information to DOJ if it warrants. We still have more information. They're not there yet. I think without a doubt, the lowest thing you can say is he was utterly incompetent that day uh, and maybe worse. Uh, But, yeah, we're going to press forward with our work. We have to get it done by the end of this year because it's very likely the Republicans will take control of history as a guide and they'll shut this committee down. And it doesn't matter. So we have to get it done. We have a clock and we'll get there. And and we've got way more information now than we did four or five months ago. 
Yeah. So it's a good trajectory. Well, based on we or what we heard today uh, from Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, <laughs> they they would like to reform or, or resurrect that committee in a different form under a Republican majority and investigate the FBI, which they were alleging may have been responsible for what happened on January 6th. That just goes to show the depth of the conspiracy that exists out there, uh, the ignorance of things like not knowing the difference between an FBI confidential informant and an FBI agent, or at least willful ignorance of it. They know what they're doing, but they believe the ends justifies the means. And quite honestly, in both of their cases, they just want to be celebrities. That's it. Congressman Adam Kinzinger, Republican from Illinois on the House Select Committee, investigating the attack on January 6th. Thank you for taking the time today as a pilot in the Air National Guard, sir. Thank you for your service. This is Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. And we assemble the panel now for insights from Jeannie and Rick with us, of course, for the hour. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis want to hear from the president and bring you back to the speech again here in uh, his references, his continued references to the former president. Here's Joe Biden in Statuary Hall. And here's the truth. The former president of the United States of America has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle, because he sees his own interest as more important than his country's interest, than America's interest, and because his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our Constitution. He can't accept he lost. I know he didn't mention his name, Jeannie. But this got personal today. How did he play it? I thought it was the strongest speech I've heard Joe Biden make during his presidency so far. He did exactly what he was elected to do. He told the the United States, he told Americans about all the lies about the 2020 election. Everybody knows that what he has to say about Donald Trump not being able to accept losing is the fact. And he was elected to do this. He was elected to return us to normalcy and decency after four years with Donald Trump. This was the strongest speech I think he's made yet this year as president. It was quite a piece of writing, uh, Rick Davis. How did you feel about the delivery? Did he go in the right direction? You know, I thought he delivered the speech well. Um, and, you know, it was definitely a passionate speech. You could yeah. tell he believed every word <clears throat> that came out of his mouth. I, I would say it, it told me something that um, is a, a little concerning, is that that's the kind of speech you give if you believe that there is a fight for the country's democracy ongoing today, right? Yeah. That was a in-the-trenches, you know, we're going to fight back on forces that are trying to undermine our democracy. It is not the speech that you would give if you believe democracy is on the mend and you hope for a better future. Right. Right. You know, it's it's not the Lincoln at Gettysburg address. It was a campaign address. (laughs) You know, it was like we got to we got to beat the Trump influence. You know, does that inform your view, uh, Rick, of what's really going on? Well, it does make me nervous because I, I, I would assume the president of the United States has his eye on democracy much sharper than I do. And I worry about it every day. But um, uh, it, it, it was a disturbing speech to me in that regard. If you have to have that speech on an important day like today, it tells me that there are bigger problems on the horizon. Wow. What kind of backlash does it bring, Jeannie? 
you know, I have to underscore what Rick said, you know, in your interviews with Senator Smith and Representative Kinzinger were chilling to me because they both in their own way talked about, you know, the day that this happened and what they experienced, but also the fact that we are still incredibly vulnerable in this regard. And so I think this is the speech the president needed to make. I think it's one we're going to continue hearing throughout his presidency until, as Rick said, our democracy is not under attack, which it clearly is at this point. Spending time with the panel, Rick and Jeannie, on this January 6th, one year later. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg Sound On. Coming up, Senator Ben Cardin will join us with thoughts from a year ago and more on whether this could happen again. This is Bloomberg. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. A special edition of Sound On as we join you live from the nation's capital this one year later and spending time with lawmakers who were there. Not just their memories, but how we can project to hopefully some solutions. And we'll talk next with Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland, who was on the floor of the Senate when the rioters breached the Capitol. Recalling the president's speech from this morning as I read on the terminal from Josh Wingrove and Justin Sink, both on our White House team, among the best in the business. Biden's speech was his most detailed rebuttal yet of the effort by Trump and prominent Republicans to raise doubt about results of the 2020 election and rewrite voting laws state by state. Without uttering his name, the president identified the former president as the leader of the campaign to undercut the results and incite his supporters to riot. Senator Ben Cardin 
was in the chamber that day when the rioters breached the Capitol, when Capitol Police came in and started literally grabbing lawmakers and removing them and, and rushing them to safety, as we discussed with Senator Smith, as we discussed with Congressman Kinzinger. And now, Senator Cardin, we thank you for being with us uh, on this special program. I know that lawmakers are all having a busy day today commemorating the events And we're trying to move the ball forward here. I just wonder how you feel with a year now between the events of January 6th and and this conversation. Has anything changed that would prevent it from happening again? Well, Joe, first of all, it's good to be with you. And and thank you for having this opportunity to to reflect on January the 6th. It was a, a frightening day for not only us personally. And yes, I was on the Senate floor. And yes, I heard the insurrectionists knocking on our doors and the Capitol Police hurried us to safety. It was a a very horrific day personally, but it was a horrible day for this country and and our democracy. I must tell you, um, once we were removed from the floor and we were all huddled together in a safe environment over in the Hart Office building, the Democrats and the Republicans came together and said, we cannot let these insurrectionists win. We have to go back, do our work. We got to get it done to, 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 tonight. We got to do it on the Senate floor. We got to certify the elections. Joe Biden won the elections. We all know that. We got to get this done. Yes, there were a few Republicans at that time that held out yeah. uh, against the certification in the Senate. But the overwhelming number of us said, look, this, this is over. Let's get it done. Let's make sure that these insurrectionists don't win. And then as the days went by, we found that more and more of our Republican colleagues yielded to the pressure of Donald Trump, yielded to the pressure of his support within the Republican uh, constituency, and started to be revisionist as to what happened on January 6th, and were not helpful in trying to hold everyone accountable for what happened on that day. Mm-hmm. And now, when we're looking to try to strengthen our democracy, uh, one of the ways would be to make sure that we protect the right to vote. We see more and more state legislatures eroding that right, trying to uh, interfere with uh, uh, people who are more likely to vote for their opponents, making it more difficult for them to vote. Yeah, We can't find a single Republican who will join us in protecting that basic right of, 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 of the, the, the right to vote. Well, what do so, you say, Senator, to Republicans who are criticizing Democrats for making that the issue today? Mitch McConnell, the minority leader, of course, said it was distasteful for Democrats to leverage this anniversary into trying to make some sort of progress on on voting rights legislation, which, of course, he does not support. We've been trying to make progress over this entire year to protect our democracy. We've been trying to make progress to hold uh, independent investigation on what happened on January 6th so it can never happen again. We've been working all year to try to make sure that the facts of what happened on January the 6th are documented, and we've had no Republican support whatsoever to help us get that done. Uh, we've had the, the, the Republicans have been just following the script of Donald Trump. Would you support reforming the Electoral Count Act? That seems to be something Republicans are interested in joining with Democrats in doing. Well, they talk that, but even when we try to get that done, they'll probably make it more difficult for us to, to get a, a clean vote on that. That's interesting. Uh, that, that Senator Smith said the helpful. same thing. That's, that's You're very skeptical of that. Oh, absolutely. Every time they... they, they they're trying to distract. They're trying to distract from what's happening in the state legislatures around the country. Look at what they're doing. They're making a, a direct assault on our, our, on our right to vote. 
uh, if you look at the laws that are being passed, they are being targeted against minority communities, to target against younger voters, older voters, voters that are more likely to vote for Democrats. They're making it difficult for them to vote. And all we're trying to do is say, look, we know voting by mail works. We have a state where it's all you can do. It's, it's been it's a very secure system. Why are you making it difficult for people to vote by mail when you know those who have challenges with child care costs, those who have difficulty getting off of work are the ones that need to have that opportunity to vote by mail? And, yes, you're saying, well, our study shows that they're voting larger numbers for our opponents. But that's not right. And we can't get Republicans to join us on that. I know, but you can't get all Democrats to join you on it either from what we're hearing from Joe Manchin. I mean, do you see a carve out coming in the filibuster that would allow that to happen? I certainly hope so, Joe. We have all Democrats that are in support of of the voting rights bills, 100 percent. All 50 of the Senate Democrats are in support of that. Not a single Republican will join us in that effort. That's the, the real tragedy. Should we change the filibuster rules? You bet we should. To restore the Senate to how it used to operate when I started in the Senate, where we debate and vote. That's what the Senate should be doing. Due process, Senator. Due process. Hey, how did you feel about uh, seeing Dick Cheney uh, today show up on Capitol Hill? He was there with his daughter, Liz Cheney, of course, very controversial uh, member of the Republican Party right now. Uh, Not a lot of people saw that coming. Well, you know... uh, we long for the days uh, for Republicans who were true Republicans, true conservatives, but understood the importance of protecting our democratic institutions and knew there were lines you couldn't cross for partisan reasons that are critically important to, the, to our country. Uh, so you know, Dick Cheney and Liz Cheney have represented uh, those values of, the, of democracy. They wouldn't cross those lines. Whereas we see today, that's not true with mainstream Republicans, and that's very unfortunate. Senator Ben Cardin, I appreciate your time today. I should have said, by the way, regular order, as Rick Davis, my friend, reminds me here that due process is a legal term. You're, you're <laughs> longing for the days of regular order, Senator. Oh, absolutely. The Senate was the greatest, <laughs> dem- you know, greatest debate uh, institution in the world. You know, we were known as a deliberative body. We're not debating today because Republicans are stopping us from even considering a debate on voting rights. Good luck with the snow, Senator, and come see us again soon. It's good to talk talk with you again. A Democrat from Maryland, just outside the bubble here. Ben Cardin with us on Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Rick and Jeannie will be back as we reassemble the panel on the fastest hour in politics. January 6th edition. This is Bloomberg. You know success when you see it, or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. 
Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. A prayer vigil underway right now on the east side of the U.S. Capitol. Pretty good-sized group of Democratic lawmakers were all wearing masks, all holding candles on the steps, speakers using a a podium they'll often set up there at the base of the of the steps facing the Supreme Court. After what was a solemn day inside the Capitol, marking the first anniversary, many Republicans uh, were not in the Capitol today, not only because of the anniversary, but a, a big delegation went to Atlanta for the funeral of former Senator Johnny Isaacson, which we uh, were mentioning yesterday. It's just the way things turned out. So uh, although with COVID and everything else going on, I don't think we were going to have too many well-attended events here, at least indoors in the nation's capital. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Thank you for spending some time with us on the fastest hour in politics. And thanks to the lawmakers who've already been with us, Senators Smith and Cardin, Congressman Kinzinger. And we've got our signature panel with us as well. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano after a day that uh, we'll all remember. Rick, I, I wanted to ask you about a, one of the points of my conversation uh, with Congressman Kinzinger, and that's new research on fundraising and whether there's something more to be discussed uh, about this. Uh, this came from uh, the nonprofit watchdog uh, called Crew, uh, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. A lot of companies, Rick, over 700 corporations and industry groups donating over $18 million dollars. Uh, to lawmakers who voted against certifying the election. And a lot of them, millions of dollars worth here, had promised not to do that. How much of that is is creating the division and sort of forwarding this this partisan divide that we have right now in a midterm election year? You know, I, I'm not so sure it's that much about partisanship, in, uh, you know, because it, really the, the Sedition Caucus, as Crew calls it, <laughs> those That's right. uh, 143 members are all Republicans, right? I mean, and, and so they are who they are, and, 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 and the fact that they have this moniker is, is ultimately shame on them, right? History will actually handle this badly for those people. Um, but what is particularly interesting to me about the Crew analysis is, is how— I would say um, ineffective the C-suite is in most of these corporations. And when you read the list, it's the who's who of the Fortune 100. It really is. And, and, and they, they get out there on these, on these cultural issues. And I would consider, you know, campaign finance, you know, it's almost a cultural issue. Uh, but it, it, it transcends that. It's, you know, the Me Too movement, the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter. They, they are singularly incompetent in navigating cultural America <laughs> in any consistent way. And, and yet the vast majority of their company's value is not 
is intrinsic value. It's yeah. it's the image that these companies have. And so what happened on the way to the C-suite where these managers have become so horribly incompetent in, in being able to actually do the right thing for their company and their shareholders? And as uh, Congressman Kinziger pointed out, and for the PAC holders who are actually uh, individuals who work in those companies who give their own money. It's not just corporate funds that are at stake here. Yeah, and, right. and, and, and the level of inconsistency is horrifying. Rick is asking a lot of big questions there, Jeannie, and, and it is a who's who. It's Boeing, it's Coke Industries, uh, General Dynamics, Valero Energy were listed here by crew as the top corporate donors to those who objected to the election and their party committees. Are these companies just assuming nobody cares? I, I do think that they are. I also think there is another side to this. There was you know, Jeffrey Sonnefeld um, released a commentary on this, and he said the argument that people have reneged on their pledge that they made after the January 6th insurrection is not necessarily the case, and you have to look a little bit closer at the data. So I do think there are two sides of this. This has been a long-standing challenge in the United States. Tom Friedman wrote a piece over the weekend calling on CEOs and others to take a stand. We saw corporations take a stand after Texas began right. its its uh, you know in in the wake of the voting rights and and then um, some other sort of legislation that ended up passing. But so there are efforts being made. More should be made, and that's why these kind of stories are very important because you know people do not necessarily know who the companies that they you know buy from and use their services are donating to. So the more transparency there is on this, the more consumers like us can make proper decisions about who sure. they want to do business with. Not that any of them did anything wrong, although, Rick, it just becomes more of a story when you promise not to do so. And a couple of months later, when people aren't looking, you go back to your day-to-day business. Yeah. And, and all of your uh, guests today have made one important point, which is what has gotten better since they made this commitment? Have yeah. any of these 143 members actually said, oh, no, I was wrong. Uh, I should not have voted against the certification of this election. Joe right. Biden won. Um, no, not a one of them. Not and one. so so you wonder in that boardroom, what are they thinking at Boeing? The number one giver, you know, $350,000 to these guys. <laughs> and they're sitting around talking about, oh, Hey, these guys have all learned their lesson. They're going to be fine. They are, this 143 members are the ones who are promoting these crazy uh, uh, conspiracy theories. And so the accountability on this is really going to come down to who calls out these companies. We've seen pressure put on them by climate activists. What happens when the political activists turn on these guys? Speaking of cons- uh, conspiracy theories, we did hear from Donald Trump today. I remember he was going to speak from Mar-a-Lago, canceled that, but cranked out, I believe, two separate statements uh, today, including Biden is working hard to try to deflect the incompetent job he's doing and has done on the horrible Afghanistan withdrawal, the borders, COVID inflation, loss of energy independence, much more. The other one uh, was a lengthy statement calling calling out uh, the events of the, the speech today on the events of January 6th. Uh, what's going on here, Rick Davis? We spoke earlier with Adam Kinzinger, kind of the other side of the Republican Party from Donald Trump. Was his was his position, among among his base at least, strengthened today to be addressed like that directly by the president? 
yeah, I think that uh, uh, the way that they did it uh, was definitely to uh, be in the fight, right? Fighting mm-hmm. for democracy, fighting for uh, the principles that um, the president articulated today. Um, and, and they picked a fight with Donald Trump and, and Donald Trump took the bait and, 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 and responded in a way that I think in a rational side-by-side comparison, uh, Joe Biden uh, uh, made a, a case for why uh, uh, we should be uh, deploring the actions of the president of the United, former president of the United States. And the president, former president made a great case as to why he should be deplored. Did he just ensure, though, that Donald Trump is the nominee in 2024? Not necessarily. I think that uh, there are a lot of people out there who want that job, uh, Republicans, good Republicans who have a, a mission to ensure that Donald Trump isn't uh, president, and, and some of which are from his own administration. And so if Donald Trump thinks he's going to have a runway uh, to the nomination, um, uh, I, I'm confident that these folks are going to fight for that opportunity themselves. Yeah. Did, did Joe Biden strengthen Donald Trump's hands today, Jeannie? I don't think so. I I think Joe Biden did today what he should have done and wanted to do. I think it was a very strong speech on his part. And I think he made it, you know, that much more difficult if Republicans decide they want to nominate Donald Trump in 2024 for them to do that and think they could win. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, Donald Trump released the statements today and Joe Biden has had challenges in his first year. But one thing he stands squarely on is he is defending democracy and Trump is defending fascism. He can win against Donald Trump in a way he can't potentially win against another Republican. So this is what Republicans know, which is why they don't want to talk about January 6th and why they don't want to spend time with Donald Trump. I mean, yeah. we saw that with Youngkin in Virginia. So they want him to, his supporters out in primaries to vote for them, and then they want them to go away quietly and they want to bring the independence they need to win. So, you know, re- Democrats would like nothing else than Donald Trump on the ballot for the next 10 years. That's what's going to help them, especially now and as they go into this midterm in 2024. In the second much longer statement uh, from Donald Trump today, it it reads, Biden, who is destroying our nation with insane policies of open borders, the others I mentioned, uh, used my name today to try to further divide America. I guess the irony there is Ricky actually never said his name once in the whole speech. Yeah, I don't think that was lost on Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean, when, when your name Trump is on everything from the toilet paper roll to steaks to wine, you know, what I mean? um, the idea that those you know letters were not enunciated off the president's yeah. lips. We have a branding problem him. here. We have a branding problem. <laughs> I want to hear from uh, Liz Cheney before uh, we wrap things up today. Of course, Congresswoman who would have been normally at, at odds uh, big time with Democrats showed up today for a moment of silence in the U.S. House, uh, attended primarily by Democrats who were there, and she was joined by her father, the former vice president, of course, a former member of the House, uh, Dick Cheney. And reporters spoke with him very briefly as they were coming uh, outside the carriage uh, entrance. Listen to Liz Cheney. The future of the country is at stake. Right. And there are moments when we all have to come together um, in order to defend the Constitution. A party who is enthralled to a cult of personality um, is a party that is uh, um, dangerous for the country. Interesting to hear her speak, but much more interesting to see her standing there during the moment of silence, Rick Davis, uh, with an aging Dick Cheney who showed up today to support his daughter uh, in a year that, my goodness, the year that family has had, the death threats and everything else that has come with this watching uh, the censure votes against, uh, against his daughter. 
What was that symbolism for you, having him there? You know, I, I think it was very strong. Uh, uh, Dick Cheney has um, receded from public life, and to show up there to support his daughter, to support our democracy, uh, there was nothing in it for him. He served his country admirably well. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it was a, a wonderful moment for our country to remind ourselves that there are families that have devoted their lives to the defense of our democracy. I always wish I had more time with Rick and Jeannie. Thanks to both of you. As we remember what happened a year ago, keep it from happening again. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.